you knew you needed to hire a coach because you knew you could get in your own way. And that's classic. Many of us, when we take on something as huge as a dissertation, we sabotage ourselves. We find all kinds of ways to procrastinate or to decide, you know, that the laundry is more important than writing that day, or, uh, you know, we have to babysit for someone or whatever. We find lots and lots of ways to not move forward with the dissertation or to block ourselves. Welcome to a very special episode. Today I have Dr. Kat Malinsky. This episode is special because she was actually my dissertation coach, which is something we get into in this episode. So what I love about this is we kind of talk about how she transitioned from being a professor and teaching and mentoring in that way, basically advising, and what it was like to start a coaching business and that route that she followed. We talk a little bit about my dissertation process and why it was so valuable to have a coach and what that means really for higher ed as it relates to getting uh, doctorate students to actually finish and pass and, you know, just make the dissertation happen. So it's a very special episode because of those reasons. And I'm really excited to uh, hear your guys' feedback on this as we jump into a conversation with Dr. Kat Malinsky. Dr. Kat, I'd love to hear a little bit about your academic background. Okay, Lindsay. Um, well, you know, I've been in education for, oh my goodness, I think 30 years or so more at this point, but I started off in uh, fine arts. My first degree is in fine arts hmm. education. Uh, I went to Hofstra University in New York and actually recall having my tarot cards read right after graduation and the reader told me I would be in education but I wasn't going to follow the path that I thought I would. I and, love that. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and at the time, you know, being 22 years old and all ready to get into fine arts ed, um, to be an art teacher for life, I just did not believe it. But she was right. Um, because I spent only about a year teaching art in a small school in upstate New York and then went off to Europe to do an ESOL certification um, in England. So um, I eventually did my master's in international ed and ESOL oh, cool. through the mm -hmm. College of New Jersey. I actually did the program in Mallorca, Spain because I was teaching overseas. Um, my ESOL background led me to Germany where I taught for 10 years, three years with adults and seven years at the middle school level. So kind of towards the end of that time, I did my master's in Mallorca through the College of New Jersey and then uh, finished up in New York or New Jersey rather and did my doctorate in education, curriculum and instruction at Argosy mm. University down in Sarasota. Um, during my master's, I decided I would only go to graduate school where they had palm trees. So, ah, Mallorca and then Sarasota. <laughs> yeah. After... 10 years in Drizzledorf, Germany, I really wanted to be someplace that had sunshine and water and warmth. So um, I did curriculum instruction and um, that, you know, obviously led me into a broader realm of education. So the tarot sure. card reader was right. I really didn't spend very much time in fine arts. I, you know, moved into ESOL and international ed, and then eventually into teaching at the doctorate level. Yeah. I would love to hear if you had any kind of knowing early on, because I guess it's a little bit... Um, you know, did you have it like an always have a drive towards education growing up too? Um, actually, I I vividly recall Lindsay when I was seven years old. I came home from school and told my mom I was going to be a teacher, and I never wavered from that mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. that direction. I guess you know I didn't know what I was going to teach. Certainly, I didn't even know when I graduated with my BS, but. Um, 
but I knew I wanted to be in education. I wanted to to be at the front of the classroom, basically. My mom said I used to line my brothers and sisters. I have six brothers and sisters. <laughs> I used to line them up when I was like five or six or seven and make them, you know, open their books and uh, try stand in front of a little chalkboard. And so sure. I, I set up my own little class with my brothers and sisters when I was little. I love it. I have a very similar mem- memory myself. So I always knew I wanted to teach. And I always say that it's because I was really good at being bossy. And I loved hearing myself talk. <laughs> My mom will so. tell you that absolutely true that I was I'm the oldest girl of seven. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I was I was very had a lot of practice bossing the younger siblings around. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And being organized about it, of course. Exactly. Sure I wanted to make sure the they knew outcomes their, that. their letters, their, their alphabet. And their numbers before they went to kindergarten. So um, yeah, I think they were all school ready when they when they left. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. So I know, and I and, and I know we kind of jumped really quickly into this, but I know you because I actually hired you as a coach when I was going through my dissertation. So Dr. Cat represents the first guests I've ever had where, um, are where, I don't know, she kind of is the bridge. (laughs) If I'm being (laughs) honest with what I think is interesting about this interview and why I'm so excited about it is I actually think that me hiring you was my first glimpse at, first of all, the coaching industry, which I wasn't even sure I didn't even know that existed, but, but essentially for, for the, for the audience, when I went through my doctoral program, um, I was teaching full-time, not as a tenure track professor, but full-time as, um, an adjunct. So I had a full teaching load and I knew that I was going to need some help. Um, I knew that I could get in my own way uh, with this kind of stuff. And so one of my uh, peers, actually, at my institution, who was about a year or two ahead of me, she had hired Dr. Kat Malinsky to coach her through the process. And she was raving about how much more results she was getting and how how much easier the process was to go through the dissertation. Um, Because as many of the listeners know who have any graduate experience, you know, the dissertation, you get a chair, you have a committee, but they're not really there in the day to day because they have many other students, right? But Dr. Cat always made me feel like um, the mindset was there. She was editing with me and she was keeping me on track. And then I was just turning kind of drafts into my dissertation chair and she was blown away every time. But I, but I bring this up because I didn't realize that there was anything called coaching um, until a colleague had presented this. And I know a theme in this podcast is about how, how rare it is to ask for help in academia. And so there's something about, I don't know. So I think it's, I would love to hear, you know, with that kind of prequel of how we know each other, how did you get into coaching people through dissertations? Like where was that um, transition? And I know we were, you were working um, for a company as well. If you want to name it, that's cool. But where, what, when did you basically wake up one day and be like, Oh, I could really actually coach people through this. And it's, it's totally outside of academia. This is, uh, you know, a company that had you on their team. So if you could give us a little bit of that background. Sure. Thanks, Lindsay. And that's a great question. Um, you know, when I think back about being an educator, I never envisioned I would be coaching. Yeah, um, there you go. I didn't yeah. really, you know, honestly, I didn't know that coaching, there was academic coaching and I didn't know right? that anyone was focused specifically on dissertation coaching. Um, the What actually happened was I was at Argosy University. I was a uh, associate professor, had, had been there 12, 13 years. Um, That's a long time. Yeah. And I really envisioned finishing my academic career there. But something in, mm-hmm. in the back of my mind told me, I guess maybe my intuition, that that really wasn't going to happen. So um, what happened actually was we had a great program. We were bought, we were sold, you know, like many of the proprietary institutions, we went through a lot of change. And um, eventually, like 12, 13 years in, um, our enrollment dropped severely in Sarasota. Mm. So I Mm -hmm. could kind of, and everything was moving to completely online, 
I was um, oh, the, interesting. Yeah, at the time we had started as a on ground with what we called a tutorial program, and then we rolled out online. Uh, courses. So I got to go through that at Argosy. And we went to a blended program where students were on campus for part of the time and then they were online. And what uh, the trend okay. I, yeah, the trend I saw coming was we were going completely to online education. And um, our enrollment locally at Sarasota was, was dropping severely, steadily. So um, I, I had a sense that I needed to look for another opportunity that I wasn't going to a little backup plan yes, there. <laughs> that I wasn't going to spend yeah. my time yeah. until retirement at Argosy, Sarasota. So, um, you know, like many academics, I started perusing higher ed jobs in the Chronicle of Ed. And mm. one, one afternoon on, in the Chronicle of Ed, I saw an ad for a dissertation coach. And I thought, hmm. Hmm. I, you know, what's a dissertation coach? So I applied. And as it turned out, um, a woman in San Diego, um, Sally Jensen, had been working as a dissertation coach for a number of years and wanted to start a group called Academic Coaching and Writing. And that's where I was when you hired me, actually. Yeah. So she wanted to branch out and start a group of, you know, bring a group of coaches together to work together and was very interested in working with me because I had experience in proprietary and online education and in dealing with students who often suffered what I think is one of the biggest challenges during the dissertation process is isolation. Mm, and yes, yeah. So I had both the, you know, the background in the structure and the content and the process of the dissertation and, um, and I understood, you know, a lot about the isolation that candidates go through, being a, a student at a distance, if you will, or virtual. So um, she hired me and to be one of the uh, four coaches. And uh, I worked for ACW, kind of built the business there with the other, the other members, the other coaches. Um, and eventually Argosy laid off the entire faculty in Sarasota. Yeah, about wow. 18 months later. Wow. So I kind of had a transition period where I was doing a little coaching. Yep. I was still teaching full time. Um, and then I was, I kind of jumped off the cliff and went completely into coaching. Um, and that, I did that for about four years at ACW and then left to join another group and then finally went out completely on my own. So I, I took another, another leap of faith and went independent actually in January. Oh, wow. That's really, yeah, I think I saw your email actually. Yes. Awesome. Okay. So you had a little bit of a transition period and I love this because, um, it's very different from my story and from some of my guests, I think, I think, um, uh, lots of us have started side businesses uh, and automatically went into self-employment through our own, went independent, as you put it, right? So I love that you were, you were also using these other businesses that were finding you and sending you um, clients. And so that is a little bit different and can help with, um, you know, because you know now probably, you know, being in since January, there's a lot of stuff uh, that, that comes with starting a business, finding clients, all that. That lead. But of course, you've been working on that in someone else's business. So you're not completely cold, but you've probably learned a lot from being in those businesses. Exactly. And I, I didn't want to pass over one thing. Sure. During the time that I was um, working with ACW, I did a coach training program through oh, uh, the coaches. Oh, that's good to hear. Yeah. Cool. There's, there's actually an organization. I think they were one of the first in the U.S. to roll out a, a really standard program. It's called the train, the Coaches Training Institute in San Francisco, and they're international. They, you know, I did my training in D.C. and New York, the on ground, and then you work. For for nine months virtual with a group. And so I took about two years to go through a really good 
life coaching program. Life um, coaching, yes. Definitely. Because, you know, being an academic in in higher ed and dealing with graduate students from that, you know, one side of the table is very different from crossing over and sitting on the same side as my clients where, you know, I'm wearing the coaching hat. And honestly, it was it was uh, it was an interesting transition because I found while I was still at the university and coaching, I, it was tricky to take off that mentor advisor hat and put on the coach ah, hat. Um, a coach hat, yeah. And it was a lot easier once I was out of academia and sure, you know, kind of just stepped across and sat on the same side of the desk with my clients and. Um, you know, so so there was a lot of transition. There was transition gradually into coaching, and then there was transition into putting on my coach hat and letting go of of the you know just the whole formal approach to academia that um, that I had before. Yeah, I'd like to dive into that a little bit because I. I'm realizing that a lot of the conversations uh, around this, of it has to do with like our identities, right? And um, how, what these environments are that we're a part of, right? So of course, the sociologist is coming out on me, but right, we have these, we have these identities as a teacher, a professor, an academic, and it, and it, and it has these various like rules associated with it, but on a most, on a more, you know, basic level, like, you know, job expectations, you know, those kind of things, but also characteristics and beliefs and values. Right. And so then you're, you're, you were straddling for a little while, um, coaching, which is different than advising and, and having and mentoring students as part of an institution, right? Because now you're coaching as part of either a business, um, where there's money being exchanged. So I'm curious, any sort of, if you want to dive into kind of maybe what you see as the big differences between the two, uh, the difference between advising and the difference between coaching, I think just laying that out would help, um, the audience, because I think some people listening aren't totally sure what coaching entails and maybe how they're different. And then I'd like to hear more into that transition piece if you could if you could tap into sure. that too. You know, I I actually just recorded a video clip that I put up on my new website about my approach to coaching because I get a lot of Ooh, I, I get a that. lot of inquiries um and even doctoral candidates are not sure. I don't. Mm. I don't know if you really knew what you were getting into when you signed. No, up. <laughs> I didn't. You're, it's, and I think we should talk about that again because it's so. It's just not quote unquote common or um, to ask for help or to know that there's help out there. I want to say though, because it's been what three or four years since we start. We were working together. At least when we started working together, it's at least been four. And um, you know the the like online has changed a lot, right? And I think people are starting to realize that that this there is like you know life coaching and these different styles of coaching for all these all these parts of your life relationships and you know all these different things businesses and all of that but um so i am curious what the the phd student is is working through now um because i do think that institutions at least i felt at my institution it wasn't that my advisor wasn't amazing she was an amazing person and was so good at what she did but she was overworked had too many students and like wasn't able to give me what i i really needed on an emotional level um weekly which is when our meetings were, she would not have been able to meet me weekly. And so I think about the institution, um, you being able to pick up where the institution, because of st- constraints, left off. And so are doctoral students starting to realize that they don't have to go at it alone? You mentioned isolation, right? Are people starting to realize that it doesn't have to be this, you know, painful kind of experience? So yeah, so back to the back to the question, What? how would you describe to somebody what coaching is and how it's different than having a mentor or an advisor within an institution. Actually, a couple of points you just brought up, Lindsay, really highlight what I tell potential clients about coaching. Um, My approach is about structure and accountability. And I I think, you know, you just brought that up with meeting weekly. Um, You know, one one thing that I do differently as a coach than I did as an advisor is 
meet re- regularly and consistently with all of my clients. So, mm, you know, that gives yes. the client uh, the structure and accountability. As you know, we every time we met, we set goals for the next time. And we yep. looked at whether you achieved those goals. And if you didn't, you know, what was getting in the way or what was working for you. So we looked at both your um your progress in writing and the process. And I think that, you know, that's mm-hmm. a little bit different than advisors tend to oh, focus. that's a good yeah, point. Yeah, they focus the on, on the piece content, mm-hmm. right, on the paper. Mm-hmm. You know, what you've written, whether you're meeting the mark as far as the structure requirements of the dissertation. Do you have research questions that are aligned with your purpose? And all of those structural content oriented issues or what your mentor or advisor are focused on. Whereas, you know, as a coach, I um, and work with my clients and start with wherever they are, take them as far as they want to go together, often to the end. Like, I believe we, we worked till the end of your process, right? I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah yep. we did. So, um, but my point is, you know, that in coaching, I address with my clients the process, the content, and them as an individual. You know, what's getting in your way? We look a lot at gremlins or saboteurs. Mm -hmm. (laughs) As you, you started off talking today about you knew you needed to hire a coach because you knew you could get in your own way. And that's classic. Many of us, when we take on something as huge as a dissertation, we sabotage ourselves. We find all kinds of ways to procrastinate or to decide, you know, that the laundry is more important than writing that day, or, uh, you know, we have to babysit for someone or whatever. We find lots and lots of ways to not move forward with the dissertation or to block yep. ourselves. Or So that is a big difference about, you know, in between coaching and advising the advisor or mentor, you know, has, like you said, generally, I don't know, 10, maybe more candidates they're working with and they've got a full-time load. They're working towards tenure or they have tenure and they're publishing. They just, unfortunately, don't have the time to be as consistent and meet, you know, weekly or even bi-weekly. I actually have a lot of clients who meet bi-weekly now. And, um, you know, just knowing that we're meeting every Tuesday afternoon at four o'clock and that they have to send me their paper, their latest draft, whatever chapter or whatever they're working on 24 hours before and that they're going to get feedback. That really that structure and accountability really helps clients move through the process in a timely manner and provides what's missing from the equation you know the chair or advisor mentor you know everyone has different title but your chair is there for you when you reach out to them they're not generally going to say hey Lindsay, have you written 10 pages and you know are you done with chapter it and that's part of the challenge of a dissertation i think that's why we have 50 percent, if you believe that statistic who don't finish um no way well i didn't even know it was that high wow what you know that's the general statistic that's out there and uh you know many people Hmm. are abd because yep yep you did all your graduate work you had you had things do. You had to pr- go to classes or log on. You had structure imposed upon you, and then you get to the dissertation, and your chair says, "Go for it." You know, go out and bring me a prospectus and send me a chapter one, and and it's open ended. You're, you know, you have mm-hmm. to create your own structure and accountability in order to move forward and, and really finish. So it's really easy to get lost, to feel isolated, to, you know, February turns into March, turns into April, and you haven't, right? <laughs> yep, And very you quickly. haven't written yep. more than a few pages, or you're stuck on one section of the methodology, and you just you know, go back to your lit review instead of moving forward on the methodology or something. So... I think the big difference is the accountability, the structure, and 
like you said, meeting regularly every week or every two weeks. Um, you know, as a coach, I'm paid by my clients to provide that level of service. Whereas the chair, um, advisor, they, that's all extra you know, really yeah, for them. They, right? Well, they yeah. are there to give you feedback when you come feedback. to them. Right. Yep. Yeah. When, when you've presented them with a chapter one, for example, or maybe you've written a whole proposal one chapter one two and three then they'll give you feedback and then you revise and you go back so so there's that feedback loop built in but there's not a a real structure and accountability because it's on you to create that right yeah so i have a an interesting question do you think that you know as we kind of mix some I don't know we can we can talk about some commentary maybe on the way we've set up grad school do you think that this is beneficial this structure like if you were to if you were to you know take cat's magic wand and change something about a doctoral program or doctoral work in the United States what do you think would would need to change because I partially think that we've set up a system that actually um isn't very helpful for the PhD student. Um, it, I, I remember when I was going through, I was reading all the blogs <laughs> and I was like on, I think prof hacker was one of them and they had something called grad hacker. And I was just reading about how sad and overworked and stressed and depressed and unhealthy. And I mean, I could go down the list of the experience of the grad student alone, like, you know, um, and, and it, we, it basically is this very like negative experience. And I don't think it has to be right now. I don't know that it, that the professor or the dissertation chair is responsible for that, but I do believe that the culture of it a little bit is just very, um, you know, you're on your own. Um, it's, it's like something I, we've talked a little bit about it on the pro on this show, this idea of how we set up higher ed and it's, um, and it's uh, how we set up the, like even the faculty experience and what's happening like behind the scenes of how a college is run. I just think that there's a lot of, um, I don't even know if competition is the right word, but gatekeeper comes up a lot. So of course, my relationship automatically with my dissertation chair is going to have some tension because they literally hold the key as to whether or not I'm deemed, quote unquote, worthy enough of this like degree that I'm working for. And they pretty much have final say. I always felt like, you know, the work we did together was like, a, like think through some of this and feel really confident about what you're handing to your advisor. So then the advisor actually can come back with the subject matter knowledge right. where you've really helped me think through some of the editorial knowledge and stuff that we all, that as a PhD student, we were getting very wrapped up in, which prevents us from really thinking about the the work that we're doing, like the impact we're making with where we're going with our research question, right? We're getting hung up on all the details and we're almost responsible for it. And then it's built in that, who do I ask for help? It's the person who actually decides whether or not I continue. And so it's this weird relationship. My chair was amazing. And like, but I've heard, you know, these horror stories of people having chairs who are not quite so amazing, right? right? And so I feel like there's something a little broken. So I don't know. I, I kind of rambled a little bit, but right. I'm just wondering. I hear you. Like, Actually, I yes. made some notes and a couple of points came up. Sure. Um, first of all, you know, in my experience in serving as a dissertation chair for 14 years um, mm. supported my kind of my transition to coaching. Your ability to. Because yeah. I see the need for a coach in addition to a yeah. dissertation chair or a mentor. Yeah. And, yep. um, you know, if honestly, if mentors, if chairs had the time and energy and they were limited to, you know, uh, I work with maybe 10 clients at a time, if they only coached or mentored dissertation candidates and only took on 10, they probably could do the same thing that yeah. I'm doing. Yeah, right. Um, but yep. they don't have the time. You know, they it's don't. just the structure yeah. of the universe of higher education, the pressure they're under to publish and to do research and to teach their courses and to supervise their grad assistants. And so, you know, 
maybe maybe 25 30 years ago i don't know maybe you know in the past uh when universities took on only five candidates in in a program and the chair oh, was on site they point. could work more closely with yeah. them and yep. they didn't you know there wasn't a need for dissertation coaches for me personally you know if if the chairs had more time and actually did what I'm doing, I would be out of a business. So, <laughs> so, you're so I'm kind of, what, I, well, what no, I've identified yeah. is a need. You know, there's a need for, there's a, a gap. Yep. Just like you're looking for a gap in the literature when you write your dissertation, there's a gap in the process um, that's causing, you know, about 50% of the people not to finish. That's one of the issues, you know. Finish. But um, yes, it is. There are others. But, you know, so, and there's, there's another thing you mentioned, I wrote down gatekeeper. I work with a lot of my clients on building and maintaining their credibility as a candidate. And I love you're that. right. You don't want to submit, you know, that first crappy draft or your first thoughts to your mentor, you want to present something that's a little more polished, that um, they yeah. can give you content feedback and really start to ask questions and guide you. You don't want them to be in the day-to-day -day process because you, you know, you establish as you go through the process, uh, hopefully you establish more credibility as a candidate. So you're right. You don't really want the chair, the mentor to see every draft. You want to work, you know, if, if ideally with a coach who you can bounce ideas off with, you can get that initial feedback. You can kind of clean things up if you will. Um, and then you want to get the more, uh, pointed, uh, feedback, I guess I would call it from your advisor and then eventually from your committee, right? Yeah. Your chair usually shares exactly. once you get to a certain point in the process, they generally reach out to the committee for feedback and something that, you know, that I also want to mention that I often share with my clients, the chair's name is on your dissertation uh, on the front page mm -hmm. and they, mm -hmm. you know, you, when mm -hmm. they work with you, they're uh, they're putting they're signing the name off. You know they're signing off on your work. So your yep. work reflects on them is what I'm trying to get at. So of yeah. course there's that tension a little bit that you know your work has to be good enough for them to sign off on, and for them to pass on point. to the committee. Right? They generally mm -hmm. won't pass mm -hmm. your uh, work on until you have a pretty solid proposal that they've worked with you for you know a couple of of loop feedback loops on one, two, and three, so that you appear to be a solid candidate when they pass your work on because of the way it reflects on them. So there's yep. that tension. As a coach, I, I'm aware of that, but I'm not part of that. I'm sitting on the same side of the desk as you and coaching you through how to address what the chair is asking, how to interpret feedback when it's kind of obscure sometimes, and how to stay on track and move forward. Um, because I'm looking back down the tunnel. I think we talked about, you know, the tunnel going through the tunnel and looking for a light. Um, that's not a <laughs> oncoming train, yeah. right? But I, I'm looking back no. <laughs> and you know that Lindsay, when we work together, I see the whole yep. picture of where you're going with your study from the end to the beginning. And you're looking forward with a pretty foggy vision of what pieces. Yeah, no idea really what's coming. <laughs> you had an idea, <laughs> yeah. but my task, my task, and that's what's different about coaching. I'm glad we got to that place because my task as a coach is to help you discern where you're going. Whereas your chair's task or advisor's task is to give you feedback when you've already committed, right? When you've been there. And, that's interesting. You know, yep. the, the, as a coach, you can throw whatever on the table and we can explore it and we can see if that leads to the direction you want to go in. And we, you know, eventually put the pieces together and come up with a solid proposal. But we can, you know, you can take the risks with a coach that you don't take with your mentor, with your advisor. 
Yeah. What I love that you brought up um, is this idea. And this is kind of actually how I started to realize like the importance of entrepreneurship and being able to start a business, which wasn't on my agenda at all either. And I thought when I was at my school that I was teaching at that I would that would be the last place I taught at. I loved it. Um, But then I started to realize that there are problems out there. (laughs) Um, And like I was solving a problem in some ways in my classroom. But I I think that entrepreneurship is about solving a problem um, that whatever, whatever institution or that society at large, something isn't being, um, you know, done as well as it could, or there's or there's a missing link. And so I wrote down, I was like, man, I feel like institutions should actually make it a requirement or whatever. In some way, there should be a coach in every department. Like, how cool would that be as part of the education experience that everyone got a coach, not a counselor and not a dissertation advisor, but actually a coach like and and someone who's cheering you on from the sidelines, but knows where you're going. I always felt too, as I went through the dissertation process that I was like, man, everyone deserves this, (laughs) like the ability to go through this with, um, you know, confidence and feeling like someone was in my corner with the ups and downs of the process, right? We had some great wins and then there were moments of, you know, you're not totally sure, right? And But there was someone who was always there the whole time. Um, And I, you know, part of me is like, man, it would be such a great thing for everyone to be able to have access to this because it's true. if, If the dissertation chair can't provide it, doesn't mean that it's not needed <laughs> and and that you know there's a lot of pain there's a lot of pain and struggle in grad school and um, yeah, that makes me sad yeah. it's interesting actually uh, Lindsay the you know coaching started off more in the you know life coaching has been popular for quite a while for you know just life issues but mm-hmm. it's definitely more respected and more common in the executive world in the business world than it is ah, in education, which is yes. really, yeah, it I is interesting. Why that is. Well, the structure's a little bit different. Like I, I know True. a few CEOs who have coaches who actually um, make an uh, arrangement with them where they get a percentage of the mm-hmm. increases that they get in their business, for example. Yeah, um, yeah, yep. Because they acknowledge how important working with the coaches, um, you know, they'll actually reward them financially for the success that they achieve. So on a certain level in the business world, coaching is very popular, you know, in the Mm C-suite right now. Um, I think it's starting to trickle down in some companies to, you know, mid-level employees and, and, um, you know, people more on the front line. But it's interesting that there's, you know, been more acceptance and a more general awareness of coaching, executive coaching, than there has been of coaching in education. Academic coaching, yeah. yeah. In mm-hmm. academia. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I know you, you said one of the themes you've explored is the, you know, the challenge of overcoming this um, culture where we don't ask for help. We don't ask for assistance. Um And I think, you know, I think it's like a reflection on like, you know, you're being judged. Well, you're not. But I think it feels like you're being judged on how smart you are or Mm -hmm. how are your ability to accomplish. And I think the dissertation is tied to that. It feels sometimes like, oh, if you can just go through the process and make it through like you've you've like you've done it right. It's like a little bit like a hazing experience. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You're jumping through hoops. And like I, I remember one of my big fears was that no one would read it. And so that was also nice that I had someone else who was like reading it with me. And I was like, well, at least like five people will read it. But then, of course, you know, I'm like seeing that people are still downloading it to this day, which is awesome. But but I think it, it there is something to like the culture of academia that's very like, well, are you smart enough? You know, which which plays out in so many different ways in journals, in conferences, in even just like day to day exchanges on some level mm-hmm. that there's always this like one upping happening mm-hmm. at every moment. That or at least it feels like yeah. that. It can the be competitive very competitive. Mm-hmm. And I think that that plays into it because if I ask for help that I don't know how to do a lit review or I don't know how to whatever or I'm stuck with this idea and I don't have anyone to talk it through with 
um, that then, you know, I'm not good enough. I mean, it comes down to that big question, right? That like, are we good enough? Right. Am I good enough? And at, and at what, and at what point, and you know, that is all throughout the process of us questioning that, you know, imposter syndrome coming up. I kind of remember writing my chapter five where it was like, oh, this is where I like stake my claim, you know, in this space. And it's really scary, right? Like, are my ideas good enough? Um, So I think that's that constant measure that that plays into do we ask for help? Because then it isn't seen as this individual um, achievement. It's, it's, uh, you know, oh, someone was helping you. So you don't, you know, well, you didn't come to that on by on your own. Or right, whatever. right. There is that, that kind of that culture. And that is one conversation I often have with clients is what a coach is and what a coach isn't, you know, as you know, from our mm. time working together, mm-hmm. um, you know, I guided you through and asked you questions, you know, if you go here, what does that mean for your research questions? Or if you change your purpose, exactly. where, what does that really, you know, where is that leading you rather than telling you where this to go? This is what you should do. And exactly. Exactly. And that is and the that, big distinguishing factor, I think, for sure. One yeah, of the biggest. And yeah. I, you know, I think there's some misunderstanding, um, you know, about what coaching is as far as guidance versus dictation, you know, or, uh, you know, telling you in order to get through the lit review, this is what you have to do, you know. So, um the, the feedback I get consistently from my clients is that they appreciate the guidance and that they actually become better researchers, better writers, um, and they learn a lot, you know, during the process of, of being coached through their dissertations. Um, but, you know, there's there's that question there of how much, uh, you know, how coaching differs from instruction, if you will. Instruction. That's a good point. Yes. I would say too, another thing that just came up for for me when you said that is coaching is about, it's basically showing to the client or the, or the person who's receiving the coaching or experiencing the coaching that the answer is really within them. Right. Totally. And that, and like that, I think then they're building trust in themselves through a process that is very scary that again, they don't know really where it's going. You're holding the vision for them and keeping them on track. And then I'm realizing that I do have it in me to be able to make that decision and that I'm making that decision, um, with somebody who's on my side. Exactly. I think that that and that it feels different too. And I think it does really create confidence. It breeds confidence in a place where, again, that is being challenged and questioned like every day. So coaching is so valuable in a space like that when you're questioning, am I good enough? You know, having someone who can reflect back to you that, yes, you are. I remember some of our time working together, too. And I see this um you know, is like this idea that we should celebrate what we're winning. I think you, you, what we're doing, right? So like, I have a hard time being like, oh yeah, I made this achievement. And you would be like, what were your wins this week? And I would have to reflect on that. And so having someone there to document that for you or ask the right questions can really keep you in the, in the motion of moving forward, that it isn't this downward spiral, even if it feels like it, there, you're, you're still making progress. And I think with something as huge as a dissertation, you're still making progress. You have to just create those markers and those experiences. And a coach does that because they know the journey and the signposts that we need to hit in order to like keep moving forward. So exactly. That's kind of what I'm thinking exactly. about. It. And yeah. the other task, big task that um, I take on as a coach specifically in the dissertation is breaking the process down into manageable yes. chunks so that we can say, okay, you finished that piece. Now let's go on to the next piece, both for the, for the purpose of acknowledging that you've accomplished some, you know, a, a, a stage, a component, whatever, um, a section, and for the purpose of making it feel less overwhelming, you know, breaking less overwhelming. breaking the process yep. down. So we're only going to look up and look at that section. We're not going to look up and see, you know, the five chapters looming over your head. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is a big, you know, in addition to the isolation, that is a big issue on the dissertation is, you know, overwhelmed, overwhelmed. Totally. You're, you're writing a book yep. from cover to cover, yep. you know, many are 175, 200, 220 pages, whatever. So, you know, if you sit down and think about 
all of the pieces, the yes, number of pages, the number of words. If you start to get into <laughs> yeah. numbers at all, yeah. number of chapters, pages, words, concepts, mm. sections, you you know you become you can become totally overwhelmed, and it's really easy to sabotage yourself that way. You know to to block yourself. Um, so you know breaking it down and then acknowledging every accomplishment along the way is a big part of of coaching through the dissertation. Yeah. Definitely. So I just wrote down right next to me on my notebook skills. So a question I ask every one of my guests is how academic skill sets translate in business. And it has been brought up by many guests about the dissertation process that academics are kind of good at project management and, you know, moving through a project where starting a business, right? Um, Creating a website, getting clients, onboarding clients, uh, servicing clients, wrapping up clients. I mean, there's so many processes and things happening. So I'm curious to hear your take on like how you think academia and your time as a professor um, and your time in people's dissertations and your time in research, how that actually is benefiting you running a business. That's a good question. Um, The first thing that comes to mind is research. You know, obviously in academia, we're we're all researchers. We, you know, we get good at uh, research skills. And I think running your own business, there are definitely a lot of places where you have to research the type of marketing and you have to, you know, you want to research technology and pretty much all of the facets. Pretty much everything. Yes, pretty (laughs) much everything of running running your own business, you you need to do some research on. So there's that. That's that's probably the the primary skill that comes to mind. Um, for me personally in my domain, you know, what I'm doing now is very closely linked to what I was doing for 14 years at Argosy in that I read dissertations for a living. And, you know, when, when people ask me now for my elevator speech, I pretty much tell them I read dissertations for a living. So I'm still Perfect. reading them. <laughs> I'm sitting, yeah. I'm si- reading them from a different position than I was before, but I'm still reading dissertations. So the, you know, the skill of knowing what goes into it in a five chapter dissertation, the the flow of it the um, the requirements in order to get past the committee on the methodology and you know all of the detail of the content and structure of a dissertation is something that I'm very familiar with so I have that skill the academic background if you will in um, so you know it's more the content. I guess we could call it the content itself yeah. is the, the business of, of the business. Right. Built. I understand yep. the content and the, you know, the, the skills required. I have the skills required to meet the content needs, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And then for me, the other skills really came, like I said, during that transition period, when I did my coach training, they weren't skills that I brought in that I've brought in from my academic background they were this that was the the training and certification that I did at the coaches training institute which helped me Mm -hmm. kind of bridge from being in front of the class to sitting on the same side of the table and you know and being one of my uh, clients always calls me the gps or the guide on the side you know mm. i don't i don't <laughs> drive yeah, yeah, but yeah. i sit next to her while she's driving and i say oh do you really want to make that turn do you know where that will lead you if you go right. that way so um and i can see the big picture so i you know as a gps i know if you go that way you're going to end up over there whereas you have no idea where you're going you know um so, you know, there a lot of the skill set that I use as to develop my business um, came from my coaching training. Doing the coaching um, training. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, you know, it's one thing to have the academic background. It's one thing to have the content knowledge and, you know, years of experience in graduate education and, you know, working with doctoral candidates. It's another thing to cross that bridge and sit in the position where you're coaching clients through that process versus being the, you know, in, in England, I have some clients in England, they still call them the examiner, Mm. uh, you know, rather than the advisor. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, in some, some cases, the chair is more of the examiner versus um, an advisor. 
you know? So, yeah, yeah. So I definitely got, you said, just to kind of recap, that research was kind of number one, the content and your personal experience based on, you know, your years as an academic, uh, you know, professor, researcher, and dissertation chair really aligned you to create a business around that. And I I think that's something I really want to highlight because as, you know, there are some listeners who maybe haven't started any sort of side income and whether or not they want to leave academia, I do think that taking stock of what your unique experiences and skills and training and education background has really prepped you to be able to fill in a gap somewhere, right? And so it may or may not be within academia, um, but it it could be related. Like my what I picked as, as well for my side income is related to my teaching training. So helping people create courses, um, I was teaching online for a long time. And so my ability and skill to structure a course, you know, determine outcomes, you know, check feedback loops and that kind of thing is something that a lot of entrepreneurs didn't have. So, you know, an exercise, you know, of thinking of what you've accomplished and what skill sets you hold, you hold, um, related to your degree or not, um, are really useful in creating a business, um, or any sort of side income. And then the third thing you said, when you didn't have a skill set, you sought mentorship or, well, not mentorship for you, but you specifically signed up for a certification program. So, you know, there are lots of ways to fill in those gaps of things you don't know to really hone, um, you know, this version of your, you know, business. And so I think that that's a great, a great reminder as well. What mentorship, what help can you seek um, for to polish up or to, you know, kind of foster maybe some other skills that you don't have that aren't, uh, you know, that aren't within you right now, whether it's academic or not. Exactly. Okay, perfect. So I think I would love to hear a little bit about, since we've talked a lot about your business and I love this interview because we, um, I think you're, you're one of the deepest interviews we've gone into about what coaching looks like. And I think coaching is a good place to start as far as a service to provide for people. Um, if you know, you're not doing any sort of implementation, um, and, and if you have done something or accomplished something before coaching or guiding someone through a process, because you've been there before is a really great way to really start a business. So I appreciate that deep dive. Um, I'm curious to hear about what goals you have for your business moving forward. Um, where do you see, uh, your, your business going? And if you want to tell us a little bit about the structure of your business, we talked a lot about how you deliver for your clients, but maybe tell us a little bit about the structure as well. Actually, like I said earlier, Lindsay, I went independent um, yeah. in January. And one of the reasons why I've gone independent is because um, I really like to interview my potential clients. I just did one right before this podcast for about 20 minutes before I work with them. Um, so mm. being independent, I have that luxury you know i you can do I, what you want exactly. to do to onboard clients i, yeah, I onboard I love clients that. by first offering a 20 minute uh complimentary consultation to see you know as you know coaching um is a very it's an intimate relationship that you develop it is. so it is. and long term yep. you know many of my dissertation clients work with me for a year or two, some unfortunately for them (laughs) because it's taking them so long. (laughs) I've had clients for four years and more. Um, So obviously it, you know, it can become a long-term, it's certainly an intimate, trusted, um, close relationship. So, um, you know, my onboarding process that I've set up the first thing I do is offer this consultation so I can see where the client is in the process because everyone comes mm-hmm. to me at a different place. You know, some are at the very beginning, which I love because like with you, I then I get to brainstorm and work with you and putting the pieces together. Many, on the other hand, come to me stalled in the proposal process because they've been going around mm-hmm. with their committee and there's a lot, there are alignment issues. They, you know, they, things don't fit together well, to use my proposal puzzle metaphor, and they're stalled. And, you know, they don't even know how to move forward and they don't know what their committee is asking. So um, I find all of that, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. I find that out in that 20-minute consultation, where they are, what their interests are, 
and what challenges they're facing. You know, some are stuck in the prospectus and they've been at it for nine months. And so then I know, okay, we're going to have to step back and, um, and really look at the process and look at where they are. So having the luxury of onboarding the way I want to is, is really, really helpful. Um, because then I can, I can say, you know, you're not really, I'm not the right coach for you. I, yeah, maybe it's not a fit or exactly. whatever. Yeah, well, if definitely. they want, if they're really looking, some, some people don't understand, you know, um, what my approach to coaching actually offers and they just want editing or they want a statistician to work with them. So of course I refer mm. them oh, to a statistician yeah. or I refer them to an editor, you know, um, that's not to say I don't do editing, as you know, with my clients, but my approach is to teach them how to write well, not, you know, just take their paper and sit for a couple hours and edit it and send it back. So if that's what they're looking for, obviously, then um, I refer them to someone else. So the structure is always one-on-one. I haven't tried group uh, coaching. I know some people do run writing groups and such for dissertation clients. Mm-hmm. But um, what I have done in, in going independent is I've kind of reworked the structure of my coaching. Um, I do... Oh, cool. I, I charge my clients by the hour. And I offer... Um, at, generally half hour, maybe more, an hour or so of written feedback. But I've changed the structure in that I only meet with them in uh, online uh, conference for 30 minutes, some 45. But I've cut down the time Ah, I meet with them uh because what I find is a lot of um, clients can't really dedicate the hour every week. It's just really hard. Um, It's a long time. So Mm -hmm. I can do half, you know, they can do half an hour during their lunchtime, even if they're an educator, and still have time to swallow their their sandwich and get back to work, you know. Or they can do half an hour before work or after (laughs) work. So... um, I find that's been working generally really well, where I spend more time on the written feedback, but then the the coaching time is it's very you know, and like I said, and, yeah, and like, it's very this focused, is what we're accomplishing. very targeted. Mm-hmm. Yep, let's go through your questions. Let's set goals, and sometimes it goes into forty five minutes, but generally they're thirty minute sessions. Um, and for me, it works. That's my style to coaching. I'm pretty, as you know, I'm pretty straightforward, uh, pretty fast. I think both of us were like, blah, 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 when we were yep. working together, <laughs> we process really quickly. It's like, oh, next. Okay, move on to the next piece. Um, totally. So that that is something that my clients note pretty quickly. And that's something that comes up in the in the intake. You know, like I said, I'm not the best coach for every client. Sure. Um, you know, I have an approach. I present myself and my own approach to coaching is very direct. Um, and, you know, my clients hire me to be myself and and present yeah. myself. So, you know, some, some clients choose a different coach because you know, we're not a good match. Yeah. I was going to say, what do you, what are you thinking about moving forward? Like what, what is your vision for your business? If, if you want to share that with us, like what are your goals for it? Yeah. You know, uh, honestly, I kind of resisted, um, going totally independent because it's mm. convenient to have someone else doing the marketing and the about screening <laughs> yeah. and, you know, uh, now I'm doing the marketing and I'm, you know, I just rolled out a website. So I recorded a little video clip that I put up on the website. I did, I'm doing some, uh, I've done some publishing on LinkedIn. And so, you know, now all of the tasks now obviously of yeah. running the business is on me. So, which is, you know, it's a challenge and it's wonderful. Wonderful in that I have the freedom to adjust my coaching approach and my structure. If I decide I want to go with 45 minute sessions, then, you know, I make that decision and, and go that way. Um, so I can be very responsive being out on my own, but I did resist for a long time because I didn't really envision myself doing the website and publishing and staying up on, it kind of felt 
more like academia to have mm, all of those you know when you're an academic you've got all these hats and you're going to committees yep, yep. and you're you know i always said if it was just about working with students with candidates i oh, would have yeah. loved it and i i would still yep. want to be yep. in that realm but it's not there's there's all kinds of Mm-mm. committees and publishing and politics so I kind of resisted, but now <laughs> since January, I rolled out my website. I'm publishing, and um, what I see happening is I'm reaching a broad because I have the flexibility because I'm independent, and I can structure and negotiate my schedule with clients. I ah uh, yeah, my yep. vision is to reach a broader population. You know, I I know there are many graduate. Uh, students, candidates, doctoral candidates out there who can't afford what I would call a more elite coaching service where you meet every week and, um, you know, you're paying quite a large sum of money. So my vision is to be more accessible Accessible. to a broader Mm -hmm. group. Now, Mm -hmm. having said that, you know, there's only one of me. So what that looks I, like. Yeah. Yeah. What that looks like will be interesting. What I have found in the, um, the last couple of years is that I tend to work with, because I have the flexibility, I'll work with clients who need to meet with me every two weeks for years. And then some clients come to me and I only work with them for four sessions because they were oh, wow. stuck on their lit review. I have one. And you push them afternoon. past a point. Yep. Yeah. We work together. Oh, I like we, that. We yeah. sort out, you know, what the themes are and what they need to include in the lit review. They get the structure set up and then they, they can go forward. So I think, you know, my vision, I know my vision is to take my clients from wherever they start with me to as far as they need to go. And being independent, mm. I have that flexibility. You I, can decide that. I don't ask them that. to commit to more than four um, sessions at a time. And mm-hmm. and I have the flexibility of if they're getting towards the end and they can only, you know, they only want one meeting to do a mock defense proposal. I do one meeting with them, you know. Yeah, so, exactly. Um, yeah. I guess my vision is to provide the service that my clients need. And because I'm independent, I can tailor that to exactly what they need. But I do envision meeting, you know, um, attracting a broader audience at this point. Um, And that was the thinking with publishing more on LinkedIn and rolling out a website. I'm starting to get inquiries through the website. Oh, great. Um, Yeah. Whereas in the past I got, you know, you know how it is. Uh, Most of my business has been referral. You know, you work with one client at University of San Francisco and And they they tell someone else, oh, you're stuck. (laughs) Here's, you know, your coach. So I still do get a lot of referrals, but, um, you know, through the website and through LinkedIn, I'm starting to get um, a, a broader base, reach out to a broader population. Well, I'm excited for you because I feel like everyone needs you. <laughs> if I'm being honest, um, no, because there really is a gap as we we address today. Um, because it is a beautiful, it can be a very beautiful process making it. You know, having going through the process of a dissertation, I was I was so I was I actually still look upon that now having started a business. Um, they remind me of each other, and I was like. I'm doing it, you know, running a business is very stressful. And, you know, I have had coaches and I hired people at at various stages of my business in order to help me walk through Mm -hmm. processes and that kind of thing. So it is it is very, very related. Um, And I look back on that time like fondly. I really enjoyed I had a great writing practice. I um, I just felt supported. Um, So it was a it was such a great experience. And you were a huge part of that. Thank you. And I really enjoyed working with you. And honestly, I really enjoy working one-on-one with my candidates, with mm, my clients. I bet. Um, yeah. You know, it's, it's just really rewarding when a light bulb goes off, you know, and they see so how cool. the pieces fit together or they see that something was out of alignment or they see why their chair mm-hmm. is asking them to go back to the literature yet again. Or so, you know, yeah. Um, that's just that's really rewarding to guide clients to where they can begin to see where they're going and how things fit together and 
and to also find their academic voice and gain, um, you know, more confidence in themselves. Obviously, as you know, during the process, you kind of cross a bridge from being a candidate or a student, grad student, to someone who has earned a doctorate, you know. And in crossing that bridge, you do need to gain some self-confidence and find your own academic voice. So um, it's just, it's really rewarding to be part of that process with clients. I bet. And yeah, so more people need to uh, get access to Dr. Cat because I think that would be great. So I <laughs> I hope, however I can support you in making that vision come true, let Thanks, me know. Thanks, Lindsay. Uh, but for the audience, yeah, you're welcome. For the audience, where can they find you if they're interested in learning about your work or your services? I bet you could help some people possibly sure. listening. Um, it's just, you know, www.drkatmalinsky.com. So, um, yeah, I was fortunate to be able to get a domain with just my name. Yeah, you got the name. Nice. Yeah. yeah. And we'll link directly below in the show notes as well. So um, you will have the URL to that. So, uh, Dr. Cat, it has been fantastic kind of going down like memory lane a little <laughs> bit and reviewing my experience. And I learned a lot from you. And I, I'm hoping the audience really learned a lot too about what a coaching practice really could look like and how something like you know, experience in academia. I mean, you literally can um, support people through the academic process. We've had a couple of, of our uh, academics mean business guests. Uh, I think their, their stages were in helping women writing in the tenure process as well. So Dr. Katz coming in, um, you know, helping that doctoral student really get through that dissertation. So at any point in your academic journey, if there was something you were really good at, um, you can take that public and you can create a income around what you've learned through that experience. And you're just going to help other people go through that quickly, since we know a lot of support doesn't happen in the institution itself. So thank you so much for chatting with me today. And I look forward to uh, seeing your business grow. Thanks, Lindsay. I really appreciate the opportunity. And this has been great. It's been wonderful to catch up. Um, you know, we don't, Definitely. we don't usually take the time to chat. So it's been, I know, it's been right? really nice. <laughs> and, um, you know, I, I really, enjoyed working with you during your dissertation Thanks. so it's it's kind of it's nice to come full circle with you interviewing me it is right look mm -hmm. at this yeah <laughs> me it's interviewing you yep all right awesome thank you thank you